Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, three, two, one. All right, we are rolling. How about we can just watch basketball? How about we can just watch basketball? Bob, I, I don't know. What do you think? 40 games? Yeah. It's, he's 400 behind. Oh, oh shoot. <laughs> Two seasons. It's going to be a long season. Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Monday morning. Let's kick off the week recapping the biggest action from the NBA over the past weekend here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jared Weiss. I am joined by Mo DeKeel. Mo, did you eat something before the show? There we go. It's not a daily thing unless we know what Mo had for dinner. And Jade Hoy, the legend himself, is producing this podcast extravaganza. And before we get into it, I don't want you to miss out on exclusive in-depth coverage of this NBA season. So I want you to go to theathletic.com slash daily ding. And that's where you're going to be able to subscribe now and save for just $3.99 a month. So coming up on today's show, we had some incredible battles of all the teams up at the top of the standings. We had so many good games, we can't even get into Dame Lillard's 40-point game with a buzzer beater because we got to go straight to the Wizards beating the Brooklyn Nets, which I cannot wait to see. Re- record scratch? Record record scratch there, Jade? Can you put a little a little record scratch? Uh, you got to put an explosion and a record scratch on that one. for Beal, two-point game. Matthews with a steal. Here's Westbrook for three. And this was I like right here. Look at Garrison here. Garrison Matthews. Get that to Russell Westbrook. Put a three. I mean, did that just happen? Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook combined for 78 points in this game, while KD and his number two, as we all know, Joe Harris, they combined for 67. But this was just such an unbelievable finish. Just and one after mid-range jumper, after and one after mid-range jumper throughout crunch time. Mo, I mean, this was one of the most fun games we've seen in a long time. Um, I will say, uh, you know, as the kids say, this game was overserved. Uh, <laughs> this thing was out of control. And it really, like, just to put it in retrospect, the Wizards were down five. Right, I have that right. Right, they were down five, and they scored six points in seven seconds. With like, Reggie Miller, I, 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 I mean, I, I don't know what to say. Sometimes it was, it was absurd. This whole game, there was a couple of things down the stretch, a couple of breakdowns. I think, you know, I think one mistake that Steve Nash made. Well, first, let's just talk about the the rundown. Bradley Beal hits a pull up three, able to dribble up the court and hit a pull up three pretty easily the Brooklyn Nets turned the ball over on the inbounds Matthews hits a corner three they're up one now all of a sudden it's just chaos well Matthews swung it to Russ of all excuse people me. who hit the three I, 
I still I got overexcited there. You're right. He swung it to Russ and hit the three. Now the mistake there is Steve Nash has got to call a timeout after the Bradley Beal three. And the reason why is you can advance the ball. You do that, you're up two, you advance in the ball, the ball's in your in your court, you run a get in play, which is a play designed to get the ball into your best free throw shooter's hands, get Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving to the line get them to knock down their free throws, and now it's a four-point game. And you're still in position because you have one timeout left. You're still in position. So this was a bit of a rookie mistake a little bit from Steve Nash as well. And the last play of the game I thought was just so spectacular, I guess the second to last play, (laughs) which is Kyrie's inbounding the ball on, on the baseline. And the Wizards are kind of loosely doubling Kevin Durant, who's right there you know, on the post up. They're trying to lob it over the top to him. And Rui Hachimura is guarding. Uh, I, f- I forget if it, I think it was Jeff Green was in the dunker spot along the baseline opposite on the other side of the rim. And so Rui, he's kind of zoning underneath the rim. He knows that Jeff Green is lurking behind him. And he just kind of forgets that TLC is up on that elbow and TLC just comes streaking in with that 45 degree cut right down the middle. And Kyrie takes five steps and travels, which which, I mean, they never call a travel on an inbound, but it was a travel and he feeds it to TLC and TLC quickly flings up the free, the uh, layup that could have won the game. And it rolls all the way around the rim and falls out for Beal to get the free throw or get the uh, rebound. And then Beal gets fouled and the final, funny thing about it was Beal hits the first free throw. They go up 148, 146. And then he tries to miss the, the uh, second free throw off the front rim and it accidentally goes in. And they managed to then throw a full court pass to Kevin Durant, who was able to take a turnaround jumper. It was too late and he missed it anyway. But you, 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 the, the fact that Kevin Durant got his Christian Leitner chance just showed how unbelievably insane this game was. Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty chaotic in the whole scheme of everything that went on. And it's also not uncommon for a guy who, when he's trying to miss, actually make the free throw. I feel like that happens more often than not. We kind of got to go back to the travel there a little bit that Kyrie Irving got away. Right? It was it, 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 the missed layup saved the NBA so much embarrassment. He is inbounding the ball basically in the deep corner right almost like right where the three point line is but when he makes the pass he's at least two or three feet in yeah, you see with the cha cha slide halfway across the country you know and that's just a legitimate travel there's no arguing that and and it saved the referees a ton of embarrassment there and i mean god jared i i don't even know what to say anymore I mean, okay, so let's let's peel back a little bit here. So just under five minutes left, Kyrie hits a great three, puts the Nets up 130 to 121. So the Wizards were at 121 at that point with 454 left. They finished the game with 149 points. So how did we get to, uh, is that 28 points off the top of my head, I think, uh, in five minutes? So how the hell did that happen? Well, we had Garrison Matthews get to the line. Uh, but besides that, it was Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal just attacking over and over and over again, drawing and one after and one. It was and it was funny because right towards the end there, there's a play where Beal comes down the court. I think uh, there must have been about 20 seconds left or so, maybe 30 seconds left. And Beal, he swings it over to Russ 
And Russ, I think I, I assumed that Beal was expecting that they were going to then run some sort of action to get Beal the ball back. But Russ, as soon as he gets the ball swung to him, and this was 16 seconds left, by the way, uh, in the team down three, he immediately goes into a step back three that he misses. And I remember at that moment, I, t- I just texted you, holy shit, Russ. <laughs> and <laughs> it was the, the Russ three that he took should have ended the game. The, the one the, that he missed. Every other game, it's over at that point. And then somehow, Russ redeemed himself by hitting the game winning three 12 seconds later in the game even though it was probably more like five minutes later in real time but you know russ really hit every high and every low in this it really was a classic russ game but then you look at the box score and he went 16 for 28 four for seven from deep five for seven from the line 41 points 10 boards and eight assists all in only 34 minutes like this was one of the great russ performances ever this was a phenomenal Russ game in the sense of, you know, for all the talk leading into the weekend was just how how diff- how rough of a start it's been for him. You know, this was kind of a, a, a Russ throwback game. And just to go back to it, like Beal and him combined, and I'm doing math on the fly, so everybody be, be a little bit afraid, but 37 points in the fourth quarter? <laughs> That's unbelievable. That's a, like, just, just, I mean, you know, both teams – I mean, 25 shots for the Wizards, 22 for the, the Nets. It was it was just kind of back and forth and flying. This thing was a, I'm still trying to catch my breath, Jared. And we went back and I rewatched the last two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still it's trying to catch my breath anyway. again. It's just like I was it, I just kind of watched it with my mouth, dro- you know, wide open. Going, I can't believe this just happened. An amazing game. We got to mention also no James Harden for the Nets. You got to be a little bit afraid if you're the Nets, just in the pure fact of like you can't even get stops against the Wizards. And by the way, the Wizards took 20 more field goal attempts than the Nets did in this game. And, you know, a lot of the time, usually if a team takes way more field goal attempts, that means the other team took a lot more free throws. But the Nets only took one more free throw. This was just the relentlessness. Uh, the Wizards had 11 offensive rebounds, 15 points off of uh, second chance opportunities, seven to five in fast break points in a game that finished 149 to 146. That's got to be a record. But that's not the stat. But that, that's not the stat. That's not the stat. The stat Give me the is stat. the Nets also had 17 turnovers that led to 25 points to the Wizards when the Wizards only had seven turnovers to eight points for the Nets. Like that's really where the 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 other issue was for them. But I'm just as for everything we talk about, like this is the thing that worries me about the Nets. Can you get stops at the end of games when you need it? And you know, look, they've been pretty good in crunch time for the most part when they've had their entire big three. We saw James Harden take on Miami and 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 go off in that game. But like if you can't get these stops, this is the problem. This is the thing that's going to hold this team back. They got to figure out how they're going to get stops at the end of games if they're going to really reach the goal of being the champions that they want to be. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost impossible to lose when you shoot 57% from the field and 53% from three. But the Nets managed to do it. I mean, we said this when the Harden trade happened, that they're going to have to win every game 145 to 143. And in this one, they lost 149 to 146. But that's how the cookie crumbled. Jade, please edit out the worst yeah. catchphrase ever. That's how the cookie crumbled. Keep it in.
Let's head over to the West where we had the Nuggets and the Jazz face off, two of the top teams in the conference this year. And the Nuggets beat the Jazz 128 to 117. This was a blowout for the most part, though the Jazz had a nice comeback in the third quarter. But we want to talk about this one because of what happened in the first half. The uh, the Nuggets, they shot 15 for 17 from three in the first half, which basically is the greatest three-point shooting performance in a single half in NBA history. Uh, the Most without a make uh, without a miss was 10 for 10 uh, by the Spurs, I believe. And then the Thunder a couple of years ago went 12 for 13, uh, but 15 for 17, essentially the most you know, high output with efficiency combined performance ever. I mean, what did you see out there? Why were they able to just get so many great looks? I think for starters, Utah putting Bogdanovich on Jokic to start the game kind of screwed things up a little bit and it forced Utah to help a ton. And that just led to open looks for Denver. And once the ball got rolling, it was over. Like they were just red hot, you know, and and, and I know you've experienced this many times, Jared, when you're hot from three, you can't miss. And that's kind of what happened. <laughs> I've never, I've never even uh, gotten close to hot from three in my life, but they, they people did not know that you could have just taken it and ran with it, Jared, but no, you got to, I throw the lob up and you basically caught it and just threw it the other way. Good I, job. I'm, a, I'm a man of integrity here. Listen, the, the nuggets, I have questions about they that. scored 79 points in the first half to the jazz who had 54, I believe if I can do addition correctly. And most of those points, most of the playing, it was coming from Nikola Jokic. Jokic, he had 22 points in the first quarter, and then he didn't slow down. He had 11 points in the second. Uh, I mean, he just really had one of the best halves of his career. And we just saw in this game everything that comes in the Jokic package. He was uh, attacking off the dribble very nicely. He was moving in transition, all the stuff that he's been doing a lot better now that he's in better shape this year, hitting like little floaters that were tightly contested, but still obviously having his high posts in his three-point game. I mean, this was just like pure, just purely distilled, perfected Nikola Jokic. I mean, he was on fire. This is this is the MVP Jokic, right? Like, this is the one we're talking about. This is the guy that if the Nuggets are going to reach the next level and be an actual championship contender, it's going to be getting plays like this from Jokic, games like this. He was unguardable. He was chewing up anybody the Jazz put in front of him. It didn't matter if it was Gobert. It didn't matter if it was Favors, Bagdanovich, double teams. It didn't matter. He ate up everything that came his way and just kept asking for more. And, I mean, I, I don't know, Jared, like when you when you watch him and he's playing like this, it, it, it just puts the Nuggets on a whole other plane. Sure. I mean, especially when he's on the move, you know, it's one thing when he's stationary and they're able to run actions off of him. But when he's just kind of rumbling or stumbling or whichever balance between the two of those that he's doing uh, going through the lane, I mean, it just completely it, it, it takes so many defenders to try to even just stop him from getting all the way to the rim. And you could just see how disruptive that was. Okay, now let's zip across the country again up to the Northeast where Philly, they came back and beat the Pacers 119 to 110. I mean, if you just look at the lead tracker graph, I mean, it was like it was like GameStop stock. It was just shooting up exponentially. They were down by as much as I believe 17 in the fourth quarter, and then they ended up winning the game by nine. Just an absolute furious comeback in the fourth quarter. And 
it was there was a firkin problem for Indiana, and that was Korkmaz, who really had one of his best games of the year. Yeah, I mean, he got going in the with eleven points in the fourth quarter just to kind of blow the help kind of get the Sixers into this game and then kind of blow it open. But you know, the real thing, Jared, it was the two, three zone that the Sixers kind of put out there. You know, they ran a two, three zone, put Matisse Tybel and Ben Simmons at the top of the zone and, and the Pacers just had no ability to unlock it. I mean, they really struggled seven turnovers in the fourth quarter alone. I, I, it, it, Really kind of they were in control the whole game. Like you said, the, the graph, it looked like this was a guaranteed win. I was ready to change the channel. And then I saw him put the zone. I was like, oh, let's see how this plays out. And then next thing you know, it was like, oh, this is this is chaotic now. And by the way, this is going on the same time as my other TV has the Wizards and Brooklyn game going. So it was just pure madness in the it, 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 I got a little distracted by that Wizards ending there, but it was just interesting to see, of all people, TJ McConnell was the one that was turning it over for Indiana against his former team. But it was it was really interesting how they had Korkmaz, Thibel, and Howard play the entire fourth quarter. And of course, Dwight Howard, he was getting the major minutes at the five because Joel Embiid was a late scratch for this game due to, I believe, back soreness. And so you, ha- you had those three guys anchoring the defense. You don't really think of Furkan Korkmaz as someone anchoring the defense, but I actually thought he was pretty solid in this one. But having Tybal and Simmons up top just hounding, it was I-, I loved the way that they were attacking. I would expect to see this zone more often from the Sixers, just another look that Doc can throw out there to really kind of screw up teams in that sense. And, and you know, you also got to give credit to Tobias Harris knocking down shots because there's one thing to get stops. You also got to get the buckets with it. And the Sixers were able to do that to kind of keep that run going with Harris and, and Korkmaz right there. That's 21 points. I mean, they were able to erase the lead and build and build their own in that run right there. It's just, Gutty win for the Sixers, their first win without Joel Embiid. They're, they were 0-4 going into this game when he sat out. So, you know, you, pretty impressed. I'm, I come away pretty impressed with this win from the Sixers because last year this team would have folded. Like, I don't even know if, what folds quickly. Like, folding chairs don't fold quick enough. <laughs> they were they were folding like proteins during uh, photosynthesis. That's probably wrong, but That is way too much science for me. <laughs> Before we get to NBA news, we got some Team USA news. Former Net and, I don't know, a bunch of other teams player Trevion Graham is committing to Team USA. He's joining Iso Joe and Isaiah Thomas on that team. Uh, Marcus Smart, the Celtics player, ended up with a grade one calf strain and is out for a couple weeks. He got very lucky because everyone that saw the video of it thought it was a way more serious injury. Uh, Jordan Bell has been cut by the Wizards. A very coincidental timing with them having their best game of the year. We'll see. Uh, And speaking of the Wizards, Scott Brooks insists the Wizards are not trading Bradley Beal, to which I say, LOL. We'll see. Uh, And then lastly, Shams Charania of The Athletic is reporting that J.J. Redick is apparently going to be on the move. I am not shocked to hear that. And that the target teams the Pelicans are working with are the contenders up in the Northeast, the Nets, the Sixers, and the Celtics. Of course, you can go to theathletic.com. You can find my analysis on J.J. Reddick's fit with the Celtics, and we have plenty of other coverage on J.J. Reddick and where he could end up. Now, let's get into the last game of the weekend that we're getting to, and that is, of course... Celtics and Lakers. 
Once again, the Celtics and Lakers, they battle in their historic rivalry. There's actually another plug I have to give for myself because I had a feature up on The Athletic about the fact that Sunday was the 40th anniversary of the first ever NBA game broadcasted internationally, which was the Celtics Lakers game. We uh, get game it, Jared. Broadcast- we get it. Not just kidding. <laughs> you know what? This is important history, damn it, because you know what? Actually, actually, I was going to say in this game, we had some great international players. No, we did. We had Dennis Schroeder. We had Daniel Tice. We had some great German players. We had Marcus Sol, a Spanish player. So all of those guys, they ended up playing in the NBA much in due part because of that first broadcast. So it is a momentous occasion to celebrate. But so the Lakers, they barely hold on to beat the Celtics 96-95. It was a really fascinating ending to this one where Kemba Walker strips Anthony Davis in a post-up in the closing seconds, tries to to kick it ahead to a streaking Jalen Brown who probably would have finished with a layup or maybe even an one to uh, win the game. But uh, Alex Caruso makes an incredible defensive play to jump out ahead of Jalen Brown and deflect it like a cornerback. And uh, he forces a loose ball. The Celtics end up kind of resetting. And then Kemba Walker goes to his cardiac Kemba step back and he misses it. And the Lakers hold on. But it was a really thrilling ending to a game in which the Lakers almost kind of seemed like they were sleepwalking and then they really came alive at the end. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty interesting. And this is where the uh, Marcus Smart injury kind of ha- really sort of hurts hurt Celtics right there because that's really sort of when the Lakers started to come on. They were able to – LeBron and James hits two threes. They kind of were able to build a small little lead as they were building up there. And then they almost blew it at the end. I mean, they tried to run a play that they actually got – what would have been a game-winning basket against Philly until Tobias Harris's shot. They actually got that play, but the Celtics did such a good job defending it and forcing that turnover. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you got to give a lot of credit to Caruso saving that game. That's a layup for Jalen Brown if Caruso doesn't hustle back. Kemba Walker had a good look. I know a lot of people were upset. He went one for 12 for this game and really struggled. But ultimately, like, I'll take that look from Kemba pretty much nine out of 10 times. Yeah. I mean, it, it, this isn't like, I think it was Mo Peterson once like got a game winning shot instead of Chris Paul, like a decade ago. And that sparked this whole conversation. It, this is Kemba Walker. This is a guy who has hit that exact shot many times to win the game. Just did it in the playoffs last year, multiple times. I mean, like it, he's a, he's known for being a closer and it doesn't matter if he's having a bad night. He still thinks that that shot is guaranteed to go down and he got off a pretty good shot, but credit to Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder's defense was phenomenal this game, including on that play where he did a great job to stay with Kemba and give it a good contest. But Schroeder, he was really doing his best baby Rondo impression, just getting underneath guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Doesn't really matter how big the guy that he was covering was. He was going to just get right up in their shorts and make it impossible for them to dribble the ball. And he was really impressive on both ends of the floor. Yeah, I mean, really, I just thought this game also was AD's game. Like AD's kind of been chilling it feels like for most of the season with a flashpoint here or there this was a game where he came in 27 points really sort of just put his put himself on the table and said I got this tonight and really went at the Celtics bigs and I mean across the just everything that happened for the Lakers there it, it when those two guys are clicking when you get 20 plus points from LeBron and 20 plus from AD you're in a pretty good position to win 
Yeah, I mean, credit to Trez, who just always seems to manage to go 8 for 10 for the 16 points, even if you don't really even notice it happening. Uh, and, and Kuzma had a, had a decent game. He was mostly just spotting up from three. I thought he was pretty solid, though. But, you know, it's funny because AD, he went 11 for 25. So he had 27 points and 14 boards, which is really good. But, you know, 11 for 25 is not very efficient. And I, I thought that the Celtics had a very interesting game plan on him, which is they kept switching in different one-on-one coverage, whether it was Daniel Tice, Robert Williams, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they kind of kept cycling through those guys, starting the game with Tatum on him, actually. And they were just really good about sending in a second person to very quickly dig in and double right when AD was about to go make his move. And I thought it worked fairly well. Uh, It was just like they, you know, he's still going to break through at the end because he's Anthony Davis. Before we go, I just want to take a moment uh, to say rest in peace to Andy Brooks, who is a research professor at Rutgers University, who developed the first saliva test for the coronavirus. He passed away on January 23rd. It just came out on Sunday. He was someone uh, who spoke to The Athletic for uh, the a major COVID story that we worked on and was an incredibly generous man and obviously had a huge impact in all of our lives and deserved a quick moment of recognition. So RIP, Andy, and thank you for your time. Uh, and thanks, thanks to all of you for your time and that's going to do it for today's show so don't forget about the other basketball shows across the athletic podcast network we we still have all your favorite shows like the athletic nba show we have no dunks we have house of strauss we have over a dozen team specific shows available from some of your favorite athletic beat writers and don't forget to go on that app and you're going to get notifications for new episodes and you can utilize that podcast episode comment section so you can tell Mo your favorite pregame meals. And if you're not a member of The Athletic, you're in luck because you can get all of our pods ad-free plus some fantastic writing across all major sports, all for a super low price. So get your subscription today at theathletic.com slash daily ding. Thanks as always for waking up with us. Mo, what are the two words we always say at the end? Ding, ding.